On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. And we do roll and roll and roll along. Thanks for tuning in, making this appointment radio and an appointment podcast here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. Want to thank Mullen Horton Brown. The other side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen Horton Brown LLP with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to meet your Address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. I bid you a good day. I hope that it's been a great day. It's been a great day on the leasing front. And uh going to get into a great show with you. Back in December, this was the headline, Texas is the future of, uh, Texas is the future. That's what Texas Central Railway CEO on uh, his plans for a bullet train between Dallas and Houston. Today we're going to focus today on the show on how this plan is now in peril because of two people primarily, and that is Barbara and Jim Miles in Leon County. Leon County about halfway in between. Um, This is what the story read at the time. And we'll get in with Barbara and Jim Miles here shortly on what the court case, the legal action they took that might not just be a speed bump, but a train collision for the plans for Texas Central. For those traveling from Dallas to Houston, high-speed rail could make the trip a lot faster. The proposed project by Texas Central would take passengers from one city to the other in just 90 minutes. Carlos Aguilar, CEO of Texas Central, says Texas is the future of the U.S. Again, this back in December, and I'm reading from KERA News. Aguilar's company is teaming up with Japanese engineers to bring the country's first bullet train to Texas, company officials say construction could start in late 2019 or early 2020. <clears throat> Maybe not now. Expect the miles here in the next couple of minutes. Bullet train is expected to be in service within the next five to six years. Again, maybe not now. It's been a long time coming, and uh, a high-speed rail between Dallas and Houston. And they've already, you know, hired out and named partners. But the problem is the power of a private company to condemn and a private company calling itself a railroad, which was at the case with Barbara and Jim Miles on uh, how Texas Central is not a railroad. It's a it's a bullet train and shouldn't be able to access the powers of eminent domain. I get in with them here momentarily. Later in the show, Wes Rappaport, 
report's going to jump on with us, and I've got some news about how my fears have been, at least in part, um, my fears have been validated. Diet Coke is killing me. Um, You know, you get 40, and everything you love, as Alan Jackson says, everything you love is killing you. But we'll get into that. But first, Barbara and Jim Miles from Leon County. Appreciate you guys. You're making all the news these days. Appreciate you making time to come on the program. How are you? We're okay. It's a rainy day here in Central Texas. Now, Leon County, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's about halfway between Dallas and Houston. Isn't that right, Barbara? Correct. Pretty close to halfway, yes. Yeah. So tell us, let's go back to the beginning of this story, Barbara. Uh, you guys own how much property? Uh, we own a considerable amount of property, but the property that we're being, uh, that's being affected by this train route is about 600 acres. Okay, 600 acres. And as I recall, you guys were on the program about a year ago, and uh, it would cut right through the middle of your 600 acres. Yes, it's uh, not exactly halfway between, but but pretty close. It's the primest property, the bottom land that we have here on our ranch. Yeah, and so what good is a ranch if it's split in two by a high-speed rail? Yes, sir, where you can't get your cattle across from one side to the other, where your cattle is cut off from water, uh, things like that. Yes, you can't move equipment or anything. And it's not just, so how far up would that rail go? So far as, how far would they have to build that up? Uh, in order for us to, to be able to pass underneath it? No, I don't know how high they, I don't know what the what the surveyors said the, it needed to rise like six feet or three feet or how far, or how far up from where it is now. Uh, well, where they said that it would be and what, what the, the draft environmental impact study shows is that they didn't elevate it at all going across our property. Oh. So, um, you know, that's one of those issues that we've had with them as far as what we've been told, but then what their data shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara, how long has this been going on for you guys? For us, this court case uh, has been going on for almost three years. Mm-hmm. Uh and before the court case? Uh, the the fight came here to our area about four years ago. We got really involved in it, you know, about three years ago. Okay. All right. So they're going to cut right through the middle of your ranch and going to effectively kill out your ranch. And yes, sir, our cattle operation, that's for sure. How far would it have gone from your house? Do you have a house on the ranch? Uh, we, we would be able to see it, yes. We would be able to, to, to see it, hear it. And hear yes. it, yes. Mm-hmm. So, you guys get involved in this. Now, tell us what that process was like, and uh, we'll get towards the lead, which is that you may have very well killed it, but uh, tell us how the process began and how much time on a weekly basis you both have put into this. Well, we were... um made aware of some surveying being done in the area by some neighbors, had not really heard much about the project until uh, we received some mail-outs from some contracted companies through Texas Central. Um, Didn't think much about it. No one had contacted us. We pretty much dismissed it. Um, And then we began to get uh, some some contact by phone that they began to have some 
uh, meetings, some open houses in our area, and that's when we became, you know, really concerned about it, and that's when we were introduced to a more concerted effort, which was Texas Against High-Speed Rail, um, and that's when we, you know, were able to get a lot more information, mm-hmm. learn a lot more about exactly, you know, how it was going to directly affect our property, and we, you know, became heavily involved in it from that point on when we saw that our property was going to be threatened. Yeah. So then about how much time a week? Well, we became the sort of Leon County liaisons uh, in this area for any kind of uh, fundraisers, rallies. If any new information came about our way, we were responsible for, uh, you know, mass emails, phone calls, uh, mail outs, things like that. So uh, not, you know, not daily and not weekly, but sometimes many, many days during a week. And and we held, uh, hosted several rallies here for Leon County um, did as much publicity as we could to try and, you know, engender support for uh, our efforts against this project. So mm-hmm. a considerable amount of time. Yeah. So this is, uh, would you call it a part-time or full-time job? Well, and, and, and so at, at some point during the year, it was pretty much a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people do you have actively involved with you? Uh, with, for, for this area with Texans Against High Speed Rail, I would say that Leon County is one of the most active counties. Of course, we've tried to get support from uh, all eight counties that lie between uh, Harris County and Dallas County, um, Grimes County, Waller County. They're they're very active, so they have their own sort of contacts there. But then we all try to uh, you know stay in communication as much as we possibly can. We've gone to the Capitol Day uh, rallies. We went last year. We're gearing up to go again this year in March. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there are a number of people out there who uh, may not even live in this area, but who do support our efforts, and then there are others who are, who are our neighbors who are supportive as well. So they wanted to take it by condemnation through eminent domain. And Correct. Th- they being, describe from your point of view, uh, Texas Central. Uh, Texas Central Partners is the group behind Texas Central Railroad, which is the, the project. It is funded by uh, the largest Japanese bank uh, and Japanese investors. Uh, they do have some investors here um, locally, they claim. They don't release that information, uh, but they've, they've had several, you know, uh, spokespersons for them to try to tout the project uh, on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they are interested in putting in high-speed rail, a line that goes from Houston to Dallas, which they claim will get passengers there in 90 minutes. Uh, the trains will run 24 hours a day, uh, several trains a day, and um, it, it is supposed to, according to them, alleviate uh, what they see as this um, terrible snafu of traffic on Interstate 45. Um, and uh, the truth of the matter is that it's gonna do, it will do nothing to alleviate the traffic on 45. The problem is within Houston itself, downtown Houston, and in the, you know, just as you go into downtown Dallas. I travel Interstate 45. I work in Huntsville, Texas. takes me the same amount of time to commute from where we live here to Huntsville as it did 25 years ago. Uh, there is truck traffic on the interstate, of course, and that does slow things down. But this train is not going to do anything to alleviate that. Yeah. So I hear you say that now, and we aren't just talking about one track going through your ranch. We're talking about a north track going south and a south going north. Uh, correct. They're going to yes. They're going to run them both ways. So the train, the 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 track that they lay, the line that they lay will accommodate both. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Barbara Miles with us here has made plenty of news on the Texas Central front. Uh, but the biggest news coming, what, a week ago or so? Uh, Friday. Yes, Friday yeah. was, a, uh, was a week ago Friday, yes. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about what happened. What was the court, what was the case you put together, and how long did that case play out, and tell us about the verdict. Uh, okay, well, it's been uh, it's been a really long haul, uh, and one where, where we've had to just kind of sit and wait for yeah, legal decisions uh, three to years. be made, yeah. but uh, initially uh, we were... Um, uh, very concerned about the language that was in survey forms that went out to area landowners uh, about asking to cross the property for, uh, you know, soil samples and, and different things that, that the data that surveyors collect. Um, and the survey forms were proven to be illegal because of the language that were used, was used on them was very deceptive. Um, and so uh, we were able to get those... Um, uh, null and voided, people who had signed them uh, unaware of the language that was there that misled them into believing that if they actually marked, no, you may not uh, have permission to cross my property, but then if they signed the form, it actually did give uh, the surveyors permission to cross. Hmm. So we had all of those voided, and uh, new survey forms went out. Uh, but the fact that they were indicating that they could use eminent domain to enter your property uh, they were telling people that verbally, in, in person, on the phone, in mailings and things like that. Um, it's what prompted us to, to file this case that um, just challenged their right to do so and, and to question their legitimacy as to whether they really were a railroad or not. Mm-hmm. And so over were there other instances where you were able to prove that they were not a railroad? Well, yes, they're, they, you know, uh, you and I both know that uh, if someone calls themselves a railroad, they have actual physical, tangible evidence of that. They have trained cars, they have trained tracks, they have a designated route, they have um, stations, they have, you know, all of the things that constitute what a train is. They have none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, will, they, they will not even commit to um, this this uh, route that they have chosen. We know it's the route that they are preferring. We know it's the one they intend to move forward on, but they will not commit to the fact that it, this is their designated route. So how can a railroad exist if they can't even tell you specifically where it's going to go and that they have nothing else to indicate that they are a railroad? Yeah. And nobody even has a railroad hat. Right. That's right. Hmm. A conductor hat. <laughs> No. No, no conductor hat. No. That's right. Uh, how fast do these things travel? Um, they are. They say they will travel 240 miles an hour. They are uh, basing this on a Japanese model of uh, of high speed rail. There yeah. are really a couple that are used French and Japanese. They've gone with the Japanese, which in um, many instances is already outmoded. Uh, the French will even tell you that, uh, and so. The longer this thing drags on, uh, the the more outmoded it's going to be. Hmm. Well, how so? Um, I, I don't know much about the technology uh, of it. I'm not all that interested in it. But I've just been told that the uh, technology that, that is used by the time it is put into place, with the length of time that it's going to take for this project to actually get off the ground, it's going to be outmoded. Okay. Uh, Barbara Miles here with us on the show. Um, Barbara... Tell me, we talk about place a lot on the show, and this is y'all's place. Yes. And uh, the place certainly risks demise. 
with all this is this case uh, lots are lots of media is saying that this is going to derail the high-speed rail do you feel that way you say you still want to attend the capital day you think there's still life in this project well their intention was always to run multi-lines this was not going to be the only one this was just going to be you know one of many they projected to do uh in different you know directions all sort of connecting uh south to north in texas so they talked about one you know going through uh the hill country uh and up through temple and and that way and they talked about you know different ones so um you know well while we certainly don't want this on our place we don't think texas needs it at all i mean even if definitively we know that they're not going to come through our place and this route is dead we're going to continue to fight against this because this is nothing there's nothing good about this for the state of texas yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's nothing but a land grab as jim says it's nothing but you know um a way to um set some kind of a precedent for a private company you know to uh take private property by any means necessary and that's exactly that our case has has derailed that yeah and that's exactly it is that you, you can make the arguments about it being a railroad or not. It, the, what's unprecedented here is a private company coming in and taking land. Right. But the thing is, Jay, they also call themselves a private company in one instance, but then, you know, that they have private investors, that they're not going to take tax dollars, but then they have solicited the federal government and the state government for assistance with this as well. So, you know, they, they have real difficulty defining who and what they are. Yeah, where where do state leaders fall on this? I mean, has this become a partisan issue at all, with one side taking the Texas Central side and another I, side taking? I don't think it's become you? partisan uh, in, in politics. I think it's more logistics. I, I, I do believe that there are probably some uh, legislators in the Harris and Dallas County area who who support it for different reasons. And they, there are a they, lot of legislators know, they, there. Pardon me. There are a lot of legislatures, uh, legislators in in Harris Yeah, County. not a lot of them have weighed in. You know, uh, we have heard from a few of them who are 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 aren't committing themselves one way or the other. Others, you know, at the the, the city and county level who do favor it because they've been told it's going to be some kind of you know economic boom for their area, and I guess they suppose that they are representing their constituents, you know, um, as they should. But um, in our area, we've had some tremendous support from uh, a lot of state uh, legislators who have written bills and thrown the support behind private property rights and this abuse of eminent domain. Um, I I think it's really shown shown a light on um, the possibility of of abuse of eminent domain, and so there's a lot of uh, legislative bills that are going to be and have already been introduced this session that are going to really come down hard on that and make sure that these kind of loopholes are closed and to make it, you know, clear that private property rights in the state of Texas are something that we hold near and dear. Yeah, Barbara, have you had conversations with any in particular? Legislators? Yes. Uh, Ben Lamont, who was the uh, Grimes County judge and is now a state representative, has been, he was a founding member of Texans Against High Speed Rail, uh, was very active all the way through until he stepped down from Texas Against High Speed Rail to pursue this office. Um, he has introduced legislation not just about this high-speed rail project, but about eminent domain in general. Um, he's very passionate about that, about private property rights. 
Charles Fortner has been um, uh, very supportive of us. Uh, many others, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to single anybody out particularly, mm-hmm. but there, there are many that are on our side who have been, you know, very um, uh, aware of the danger of these kinds of projects and who have written legislation in the last session and upcoming in this session to, to protect private property rights. Yeah, so, Barbara, lots of times whenever people take off into something like this, it comes with some costs. If you guys had any blowback uh, financially or any threats or any other well, suffering? Well, we are very, very fortunate in that uh, there is a, a, a law firm in Dallas who represented us, the uh, Beckham Group, Blake Beckham and uh, Patrick McShann, um, donated their time toward this project mm-hmm. because they see it as something that is just you know, egregiously wrong against their fellow Texans. Uh, but, you know, there are other ways in which these kinds of things can take a toll. Time, energy, worry. We can't move forward with, you know, certain plans with our property. We've been sort of in a holding pattern since this lawsuit began. Uh, the danger that, you know, it would not, we, we would not get a ruling in our favor um, you know the the yeah that we were we we were sued by Texas Central and by a subsidiary that they invented called ITL. We've never even been contacted by ITL yet. We're sued by them as well. So yes, there was a possibility that we would have to pay out hundreds of thousands of dollars if the uh, judgment went and did not go in our favor. So is it dead now in Leon County? Um, you know, hopefully we are sort of, of the eight counties, we are kind of right in the middle of that. Um, and the, the, the decision that was made by the 87th District Court last Friday, which ruled in our favor by saying that Texas Central was not a railroad, nor was it an interurban railway, um, has effectively, at least for Leon, Limestone, and Freestone County, three of those counties, um, you know, they, they will not be able to use eminent domain to... Um, have their way with the, with a route through our three counties, and we're contiguous counties, so that's going to make it very very difficult for them to move forward on their route uh, without you know uh, uh, property owner cooperation. And lots of so a lot of rural land between the eight counties that stretch. And I'm assuming eight counties thousands that stretch and thousands of acres between Dallas and Houston. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, anything else listeners need to know. Well, I'd, I'd like to let Jim say a word about, you know, this, um, because he's he has been the sort of face of this lawsuit, and it's been, an, you know, an ongoing issue that has, has pretty much defined our lives for the last three years. So hold on just a moment. Okay. Jim, you won. How do you yeah, feel? Yeah, finally. <laughs> well, we were we were up, up Shit Creek without a paddle there because uh they they filed a two hundred thousand dollar lawsuit against us mm. and uh that's a lot of money yeah that's a lot of money and uh that was each company oh so it was two hundred thousand twice yeah right four hundred thousand dollars to sell a ranch for something like that well that was what i'd have to do it i have to sell this place to get to get the money to pay that was that what they were thinking jim i don't know <laughs> But they offered me three hundred and forty thousand dollars for forty acres. Hmm. But it was it was uh, under the circumstances. I had to give up my water rights and my mineral rights and all that stuff. No. And uh, I ain't gonna give up my mineral rights because man, I I've made a fortune off of this place in minerals. Yeah. And gas. Yeah. And uh, so 
uh, I would never give up my mineral rights, but they that's that's part of the deal. When you sold the land, you sold your rights. Oh, man. So how were you feeling a week ago Friday? Do you have a few? How was I feeling? Yeah, do you have a few natural lights or lone stars? Well, I was, I'd had a stroke, and I was in a wheelchair over there at Centerville. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I had to Jim, crawl in there. <laughs> Jim, do you feel like the stress, how, how long has this land been in your family? Oh, hundreds of years. So you've got that stress. Uh, do you feel like your stroke was in somewhat owing to the stress well, that you guys have been that, under the last three weird, years? You know? I mean, every day you're weird about this thing, and, and we were involved in it every day. Yeah, mm. we Barbara was calling people and talking to people, and 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 it, it involves a whole lot of family time, you know. I mean, to to do a, a lawsuit like this, and and uh, and 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 we didn't need it, you know. We didn't need no. the stress. Mm. And uh, I was stressed out almost all the time because I'd gone to Madisonville to a rally that they had down there the night before I had the stroke. I drove back down the interstate uh, uh, 40 miles just to uh, get home, you know. I kind of had that stroke on the highway, and I'd have killed somebody, and maybe me too. Hmm. But uh, they don't think about that. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care about anything but what they want. Hmm. And uh, that's 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 the sorry part about it. You think you they know, care I mean, now? We care, we care about our neighbors, you know. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got to have neighbors good neighbors man if you don't you're up you're up shit creek without a paddle yeah uh, jim tell us this um i got a couple more minutes we gotta hop off okay uh, hundreds of years this property's been in your family um you feel like there's uh the circle goes unbroken that uh those who went before you are applauding now oh yes they are because that uh, the man that i got this place from the uh he had it. He had it uh, since '45, and uh, he uh, and he told me before he died. He said, "I don't want you to ever sell a place. I want you to ever spit it up." And uh, I've been offered a few hundred thousand dollars for the land across the road from a uh, gate on on the ranch, and uh, it's uh, it's 90 acres over there, but it's split split by a road, and. Uh, one of my neighbors wanted to buy it, and I told him, I said, no way, I won't sell it, no matter how much money you got. And he's got lots of money. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't sell it to him because I told this man that I would never sell anything or divide it up, you know. And mm. it's a home, man. You you don't you don't peel off your home and take a piece of it and sell it, you know. Mm-hmm. You, it's yours, man. You, that's where you live. That's where you want to live the rest of your life, you know. And I'm up on this hill, and I I can see all around, and I don't want to sell any of this place, you know. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to sell it. Uh, nothing, man. I mean, it's mine, and I work for it, and I work on it every day that I can work. And uh, so you just don't you just don't sell anything that's like that. Well, Jim and Barbara, congratulations on the ruling, and uh, we'll be watching the appeals case. Hope that you'll come back on and update us. Okay, we'll do it. All right. Thank well, you, have man. Have a good Appreciate evening. Appreciate it. All Bye-bye. right.
Barber and Jim Miles there. See, we take you where the news is, wherever the other sides of Texas lead us. Uh, big win there for the Mileses. And West Rappaport coming up. Stick right where you are. Great radio ahead. He is the man that has just gone from from Lubbock and become big time. Has viral videos now going on Twitter. I see Wes Rappaport reports at Wes Rap on Twitter. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are you, Jay? Uh, appreciate you coming on. I know that you've been sitting in court all day. What's it like to sit in court all day? Is it like a kid's version of having to listen to a forty-minute sermon? <laughs> You know, there there are qualities that are really nice about it. It's it's really liberating in a lot of ways. I can't have my phone out, so it's like, you know, uh, liberating in some of those ways. But uh, at the same time, those seats are not exactly the most comfortable back there. And Is so, it wooden uh, pews? It's wooden pews. Nice. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag. But, and, and you know, depending on... What you get that day, it, it's uh, you know you never really know. But today was a uh, today was interesting. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what you were in court covering, because we know that we're going to see it all over your next star affiliates. But uh, what were you covering, and uh, why does it matter? Well, today uh, we were talking about this uh, this voter purge, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and, and this list of of. Uh, that was believed to have a whole bunch of non-citizens on it, 95,000 of them. David Whitley uh, helped produce, uh, not produce, but publicize this list of 95,000. Yes, he put out an elections advisory to the county uh, elections administrators to basically say, look, um, here's this list of names. Some of these people might not be citizens. Look into it. Or don't. But here's here's the information that we're required by law to pass on to. As Secretary Um, of State. As the Secretary of State, and and then immediately the Attorney General jumped on this, um, and and uh, it, it became the President a, jumped on this. The President jumped on this, and and it became this kind of political linchpin rather than we're doing this routine maintenance, which is what we're supposed to do. Now it's become, you know, our is there discrimination against Hispanic voters? conversation oh and that's so, what the court case is about so what were the two so sides in the, today yeah what were the yeah, two sides so here today um and this is just one of the cases that's been filed but it's the uh uh LULAC is is the organization and uh the acronym escapes me at the moment the league of Let- of united latin american citizens mm-hmm. um and and they represent uh it's essentially a, a uh you know latino rights group um but they they are have, are part of a class action suit. The Texas LULAC and the National LULAC are are, are also uh, suing with with a woman from England who um, was on this non-voter list. She was naturalized in 2015 after living in uh, after moving to the United States, and uh, we heard some of her testimony today. Anyway, um, so they're suing. Uh, for what they call a discriminatory practice, they say this is essentially voter suppression, and that uh, that this was, um, uh, you know, a violation of law. So the attorney general uh, and the secretary of state are uh, the defendants here, and uh, so the state is arguing, you know, this is uh, 
the suit's baseless. This is part of the routine maintenance. You know, here's the the process of how this works. We issue these advisories, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was some some really interesting testimony. Most of the testimony today was from uh, the the plaintiff on the LULAC side, um, the the voting rights uh, advocate side, um, and and they called. Uh, uh, essentially, um, I'm just going to pull this up here be, so I make sure that I have everything in front of me. Um, but essentially, you know, they called the uh, several uh, county election administrators uh, from from a variety of counties, three or four different counties, to testify about their experiences in the timeline, their experiences in the process of okay, this advisory was issued. When did you get it? When did you read it? Did you read it? Mm-hmm. You know, and and Jay, you'll be surprised, or maybe not surprised, to hear that some of these county administrators, these election administrators, uh, have not read the advisory in the, in its entirety to this point, as they testified today. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there, uh, and and that may be another conversation for another day about you know when you're the tax assessor collector, you're the elections administrator, you're the voter registrar. I mean, all these roles in a small county with limited resources and you've got to do all the jobs you know there, there's uh, delegation going on and it looks like you know some of these processes um, are being affected uh, there differently than they would in the Travis County or in, the, in a different county where the, where the tax assessor and the elections administrator are two separate entities well who lost the day and how long is this court well, case going to go on well the, the this particular this one was just a, yeah I mean this is obviously not being finished, you know, decided today. Um, and uh, I think it'd be unfair to say who, a winner or a loser just today because of the nature of the, the testimony. Um, the state hasn't called any of its witnesses yet. Um, so naturally, the plaintiffs are kind of at the advantage to this point. Um, and, and so, you know, they were trying to poke holes in, in the DPS testimony they called the DPS business analyst to the stand who's sort of the go-between from the Secretary of State's office and the DPS IT department who is you know crunching the numbers and she's basically saying you know I don't I don't vet any of this data I do what they ask me to do I don't really know what you're asking me I don't know what you're talking about um, and and uh, so but between those kind of three main points it'd be easy to say that the plaintiffs were you know are kind of in the lead here but we haven't heard from the defense. They haven't called their witnesses yet. Um, we did hear from uh, Lieutenant, uh, excuse me, from the uh, Attorney General's office, uh, and they put out a statement um, this afternoon after the hearing was over, uh, saying uh, uh, the arguments our office made in court demonstrate that this effort is not only legal but necessary to protect the voting rights of all Texans. The other side's argument. Uh, ably demonstrate that this entire lawsuit is uh, nothing more than an exercise in politics. And the director of communications for uh, uh, the attorney general, Ken Paxton, says that the office continues to look forward to defending voting rights of all Texans and assuring everybody who's on the voter rolls in Texas is eligible to vote. So a lot piled into kind of one you know morning and afternoon um, and, and more to go when the, the state calls it witnesses tomorrow. Yeah, okay. So you'll be back in court on the hard pew tomorrow. Presumably, we're we're uh, figuring out our assignments for the day, but uh, we will definitely be following this closely. Yeah, uh, something that's intrigue of some regional intrigue from where we're broadcasting. Carlos Uresti, 
former state senator, uh, brought up on bribery and somebody who was called a co-defendant at one point is um, uh, Vernon Farthing. The third, Ver Vernon Farthing let off and uh, I say let off, earned his way off, was proven innocent. Uresti, not so much. You were there today. Uh, Uresti's out of, um, help me, San Antonio? The San Antonio area? Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he represented San Antonio. Um, it goes until... all the way over to, like, El Paso or something crazy. Yeah, it's the district that Pete Flores now represents. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a crazy district, like, almost, so, two, I think it's 19 or two dozen counties. Yeah. It's, it's sprawling. Uresti is put up for 12 years, is that right? Uh, that's right. Yeah. So you were there today whenever he came in to give himself up to authorities what was that like well you know it was it was really interesting um he uh he had until two o'clock today to turn himself in uh to the feds uh to begin his his uh his prison term his prison sentence um it's 12 years um he'll be required to serve uh, i believe it's three quarters of that uh, from what I understand, so we're looking at ten for sure. Um, and uh, he he came to the courthouse dressed to the nines with his family in tow and his Bible in his hand. And he, you know, he said, uh, "Time is just time." He, he, he was telling reporters outside of he's got his family, he's got his lawyers, he's got the good book with him, and he's going to make the best of this next journey. Is what he said. And um, he, he said that when he gets out, he's going to go back to doing what he uh, has been doing for the last two decades in the legislature, which is, uh, he says, you know, serving the people of his community and particularly children in his community. Um, so he, he has, not, has not lost sight of that goal, um, at least as he uh, made his final public remarks heading in to uh, turn himself in today. Yeah. Wes, what was that like to see a man... I mean, pretty resilient for a guy who's going to prison for 12 years. I'm going to make the best of this next journey. Yeah, pretty resilient. He's got like I mean, a Shawshank uh, Redemption plan or something. I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to trade places with him. Uh, but but he and you could hear his voice kind of quiver a little bit as he was walking up to the steps and uh, he had uh, participated in a moment of prayer with his family. He took a few photos with some family members and. Uh, you know, in a way, kind of wanted to savor the moment, like looked around a little bit and, and uh, wanted to, to savor this, uh, his last moment um, uh, outside the courthouse with his family. Um, his brother, a former um, uh, Texas uh, House representative, Tomas Uresti, um, was, was here with him. Uh, so it was a, it was a family affair. And, and, you know, somebody turned to me and said, yeah, he's, he's Uresti strong. So that it's, they the family has not lost the will to uh you know see him on the other side and and uh i'll tell you what jay it was a it was a bizarre experience i mean i covered him in the legislature right and and you know we've had conversations on the senate floor and and so to see that man who uh you know has has served the state in in you know a capacity of honor to then have the tables turned like this um I, th I think was was humbling for him, and it was certainly a, a unique perspective for all of us to to see 
where where he kind of stood. You can see all of his stuff at Wes Rap on Twitter. For those who do Instagram, what is it? Uh, Rappaport Reports on Instagram. Yeah, and, and I never Rappaport get credit TV for that. I never get credit <laughs> for it. Uh, what did you say after Instagram? Uh, Facebook, it's Wes Rappaport TV. Yeah. We know you got a bug out. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Jay. Always As always, Wes Rappaport, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good evening. Going to get Wes off and uh, get back in and tell you what's coming up next edition of the program. Stay right where you are. Good stuff ahead, as always. That Diet Coke is going to kill me. They say like 50 to 65, like hyper-increased chances of stroke, heart attacks. I'm just switching to Topo Chico. That's what I'm going to do. Woo! See you here in a couple minutes. Hey, hey, I told you it's going to be a good show. Thank you, Barbara and Jim Miles, for coming on the show, sharing their what felt like was just utter plight and coming out victorious on the other side, some other side of Texas grit there, Wes Rappaport as well. Hey, uh, tomorrow on the show you get uh, double dose here. You get uh, some Ross Ramsey and then some Mike Bazaar, Bazaar Solutions. You got questions for Mike Bazaar, you can always email me, J at other side of texas.com get into some tech news this week and then not texas tech but technology news this week and then on thursday for price of amarillo along with erica greeter houston chronicle friday maybe some brandon darby but definitely some daniel the digital millennial in studio but for now gotta get home gonna get home uh, gonna get some Dairy Queen or Whataburger along the way and then go watch my little Gracie girl play some basketball. Gotta keep the books tonight. Keep everybody keep everybody in line there behind the scores table. And uh hope you're gonna have a great evening as well. We'll see you next time. Till next time, Rayvon buddies, Rayvon will see you here on the other side of Texas. Shipwreck on the mountain, rubber.